Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. One plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus vest that expires seven days after receipt. See full terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Audio. Warning. Today's podcast may include Steven Spielberg acting an orb-wielding teacher named Botanicus, and a pulse-pounding analysis of Universal Studios' E.T. adventure. Strap in for the premiere episode of Podcast the Ride. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Podcast the Ride, the theme park podcast hosted by three childless men in their 30s. Uh, we're part of Feral Audio, home of Doughboys, and many, many more great podcasts. Uh, my name is Michael Carlson. I am joined by my co-hosts, as always, Scott Gardner. Hi, that's me. That's Scott. And Jason Sheridan. Hello. Uh, yeah, so today's topic uh, is going to be the Universal, uh, excuse me, the Universal Studios ride, E.T. the Adventure. And we're going to break it down and talk about what we would do with it if we were in charge. Um, but first, let's just, like, check in with each other, you know? like My God. Gentlemen, we're doing it. Mm-hmm. We've talked about it for a whole uh, month or so, and now it's uh, happening. It's the first episode of a new podcast, which is a sacred event that only happens 37 times a day mm-hmm. or so. <laughs> That's <laughs> we good are Living it. Uh, yeah, very, very excited. I think uh, for, for those of you listening for the first time, we are the kids who got too into the Disney parks. Uh, our brains uh, never really left after the first times we went. Uh, we we're more into it than the uh, uh, creators of the parks uh, intended. And uh, uh, and we all met over our uh, our mutual shared uh, disease. Uh, and that's what it's for, called, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, that's, you, you'd have to call it such. And uh, uh, now we're hoping to uh, spread the disease to uh, to, <laughs> to all of you. Really, I mean, the, the, the disease of, of theme park fandom, which I think should be right. more socially acceptable, uh, uh, and I'm hoping it will be after we do a little of this. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to make a big positive change in the world. Yeah, I think so. And look, there are people who have the disease worse than us. 
That's certainly true. Yes. Uh, like, yeah, we're like at least a little bit self-aware about it. There are a lot of folks, if you go on these message boards, that do not have any sense of humor about any of this stuff. That being said, uh, people on the message boards, we are your friends and we... Yes. Uh, oh, we like yeah. you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are also uh, of you. Yeah, and no, no, Please no. listen. But this is a thing that a lot of people listening might not realize the depth of theme park fandom, that there are these message boards, there are, uh, and there, there are many, many fan sites, many, many other podcasts out there. Uh, uh, we're we're going to try to be the one with the vaguely uh, comedic bent, sure. uh, which yeah. I can only assume doesn't exist. Uh-huh. Uh, we're going to do our best with that comedic thing, but we will, as I, we, like, we will get very serious about this. It, it's going to be like, yeah, haha, we're laughing, and then we're like, but yeah, like, they should not have made that change to that my, my ride. That was my ride when I was a child. You will be shocked how non-comedic it is for yeah. vast stretches of time. It really is like the the area of all of our lives that we are the most or the, the least ironic about. Yeah, that's true. We're going to share it with you. Um, yeah, and then like we're just going to get into like stuff like Imagineers who created rides, which is a thing as a kid I didn't even realize because the rides just feel like they're, they've always been there. But they're like these these people, men and women, who have like slaved over these this design and like went through a whole political process of trying to get their idea approved, and they probably like in fought with other people and management and like bled for this stuff, and that then like you know Big Thunder Mountain Railroad was born. Something yeah, the, that you just accept, the runaway mine car ride, and it seems very innocent and like it's always been there, but uh, yeah, it took a lot of, a lot of effort and hard work to do. There's so many rides that don't get completed. I mean, in, in that Imagineering building, uh, uh, the, the headquarters of the, of the Disney theme parks, there's so many rides that are invented, fully cooked up, probably even built, and then uh, are never installed in the parks. Uh, a movie will come out and then completely tank, and they can't justify mm-hmm. spending the money to further promote that movie. Yeah, we never will see... Uh, the creation of Dick Tracy's Crime Stoppers in real life. It exists only on paper and uh, the internet fan sites. Mm-hmm. I mean, it would have been a great ride, though. Sure. So it's just very disappointing that it Join an it. animatronic Warren Beatty on a, a journey through the city as you fire guns. Wow, yeah. mommy, I saw Dick Van Dyke's character Raisin Man, whatever he is. <laughs> um, is that his character Raisin Man? <laughs> could be. As far as anyone knows, uh, correct us if you're listening, but uh, also face. you probably don't know. No one knows. Yeah, no, no one, one knows. likes Dick Tracy. That's a real problem with rides. It, it uh, Especially today, it really has to be intellectual property that, uh, uh, that people are familiar with. And I think actually it's uh, uh, the, the intellectual property issue is something that uh, uh, kind of hurts the ride that we're going to talk about today because uh, uh, I think this this character uh, is not really in the forefront of popular culture anymore, but maybe he should be. Mm-hmm. We're talking about E.T. The E.T. adventure, one of the great Universal Studios rides, uh, uh, a fixture at Universal Florida still today. An uh, opening day attraction. An o- one, maybe the only yeah. opening day attraction that still remains this uh, in Universal Florida. This and the movie, movie monster makeup. Uh, show. This okay. is the only remaining ride. The show in the fake Pantages Theater, as I know it. Uh, no longer at Universal Hollywood, dearly departed, no longer at Universal Japan. Uh, we could tell you a little bit about this ride and what it is, or we could let Steven Spielberg tell the tale. Steven. <laughs> Steven, where are Get you? Get out here. He's coming. Oh, Here he is. We don't have much time. Spielberg. And it's my pleasure to welcome you to the E.T. adventure. But I'm afraid we don't have much time. See? So I'm going to cut right to the chase. E.T. needs your help. Now, I've just received an urgent message from E.T.'s teacher, Botanicus, 
calling for E.T. to come home right away. You see, a big problem has developed three million light years away on E.T.'s home world, the green planet. E.T.'s friends are in danger because their planet is dying. Remember what E.T.'s friends look like because it's going to be up to you to help E.T. find them once we get them home. And there's not a moment to lose because only E.T.'s magic healing touch can save his friends and bring his planet back to health. E.T. must go home and only you can help him. E.T. Trouble. That's right, E.T. So why don't you show these people how we're going to get you back to the green planet? Oh, shit, that's really easy. You and E.T. will be making your three million light year journey on these bikes, but don't worry, you don't have to pedal. So there's some but bikes that are flying in the video. And interplanetary passport. So before you leave E.T., tell your first name to one of our assistants, and they'll give you your pass. Oh. Sounds like E.T. ready to go. So good luck, everyone. And remember, E.T.'s counting on you, and so am I. Now remember, Steven Spielberg is counting on everyone <laughs> before they get on this We ride. know you're all on vacation, but yeah. Steven Spielberg needs you to do something. Yeah, and he's a very important man, so you really should like want to please him. If you are wanting a career in the entertainment industry, it could be snuffed out right now at seven years old if you do not yeah. fulfill yeah. Steven Spielberg's mm-hmm. request. Didn't As a kid, didn't you really feel the, the weight and the stakes of this? There is something about the authority that... Steven Spielberg lends by coming out and talking to you. That's that's a thing that got me obsessed with this stuff early on is like I would see these like pre-show ride videos as you get in line and stuff and I would take them deadly serious. I was like, oh yeah, we gotta go fucking do this. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, the the as a child, I think that's probably, I mean, it's for children. But like, yeah, the whole thing is like, you really were like, I may die on this ride. This yeah. might be a suicide mission on like on whether it's, you know, this or Space Mountain. I'm like I may hurdle into a star. Like it yeah. may be over. And like, there weren't uh, ride-through videos. You couldn't look up what things were on YouTube uh, uh, when we were children. So, yeah, I assumed that every, any single ride that you got onto was uh, was going to literally murder me. Yeah, the internet really opened up like theme park fandom because I think there was like fanzines like any other uh thing, but like mm-hmm. now there's just you can watch footage of any ride, and we will put footage of this ride in the show notes for you to watch at home. Well, what we just heard was like the pre-show video that you see in line of Steven Spielberg preparing you to ride this children's ride. Which, by the way, so we should talk about then what transpires, what the ride is. So as Steven Spielberg uh, himself told us, uh, you climb aboard a bike, uh, 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 E.T. needs your help, his planet is dying, the green planet, uh, his teacher, Botanicus, is, uh, is part of it somehow, too, he factors in. Anyway, you got to get to the green planet, so you end up in the scene, uh, basically from E.T., uh, where you're avoiding uh, uh, police officers, who in this case are portrayed by uh, very stiff, barely animated dummies. Uh-huh. And there's um, cars coming at you, like police cars and like FBI, like FBI, I think, cars, some sort of secret covert agencies that are trying to capture you and E.T. before you can make it home to the green planet. Every yeah, agency's you... cars have all <laughs> arrived in the hills of Tahunga, California, <laughs> where the ride is set. Uh-huh. An obscene amount of walkie-talkies, like the, uh, yes. the redo. No guns. No one has a gun. Yes. Did they do the gun uh, change, or did they never they have guns? I they ever had guns. Huh. Yeah. Because Steven but... Spielberg famously uh, edited out all the guns in E.T. in like a DVD release a few years ago mm-hmm. uh, and changed yeah. them all to walkie-talkies digitally, which okay. I think has gone back, but that was in the digital uh, changing craze of the <laughs> late 90s, early 2000s yeah. <laughs> of his friend George. Now, this ride, this ride hits 
like a very common theme park thing where you you hit like a big beat of of the movie and then you get a whole lot of new stuff like you get a whole new adventure in this right. case it is yeah you're you're taking the place of Elliot you're riding the bikes ET's in the basket and there is a little ET animatronic in the basket that pops up and you're evading the federal authorities mm-hmm. Does it uh, does it have a face? I always wondered because uh, you can't really see. Uh, you're in the bike behind the ET. Yeah, so you're talking ET in the basket. If you could see yourself in the ride, is there a, a ET face oh, on the other side? I think there is. I there think I sat to be, right? in the front row and like leaned over and was like, "Yeah, there's there's <laughs> a space." Sure. There's a chance that like if you her. lean over and it's just like a blank robot face, a that's faceless even. mannequin, <laughs> <laughs> or just like With, like circuits shooting out raw electricity uh-huh. at you. Uh, uh, <laughs> I think in this stay day buckled and age. up, kids. <laughs> In this day and age, if, like, somebody were to put their phone out and take, like, the selfie, it would have to be there because it would be terrifying if there was, yeah, that creepy face. If you felt like E.T. had his face ripped off, (laughs) uh, then the green planet dying is the least of your troubles. Um, So once you have successfully evaded uh, all of the federal agencies, spoiler alert, you do, by uh, flying in your bike, as in the film, then you end up uh, seeing all the new stuff, as Jason said. You you fly over a city. You fly mm-hmm. over a nondescript city. I think it's Los Angeles. I think Is you can Los see a, a Dodger Stadium in there. Oh, it's okay. a Los Angeles-esque city, at least. Yeah. It is, it is the same sequence from the Peter Pan ride. Yeah. If you've Disney ever written Peter Pan, yeah. uh, there's a very similar sequence because you're you're flying in a similar type of ride. These are called dark rides, by the way, both of these rides. Mm-hmm. And they're both called suspended dark rides because you're actually hanging from the ceiling and moving forward as opposed to it being on a car on the ground. Um, but yeah, it's like it's a similar thing where you're like looking over all the rooftops, and it's really just like a tiny model that that's lit up that makes it look like you're. And it is the soaring. same track layout as uh, the Peter Pan ride, which is maybe something you have to knock a few points down. <laughs> or, <laughs> In terms of originality, the fact that it, I mean, it literally like bends the same way, and then you go into like a little sub sky room in the in the back right corner. Um, whatever it worked for Peter Pan, it works for this. Uh, uh, I don't know why I'm trying to uh, gotcha this ride uh, right right yeah, from really the top. I do. I love. I love the ride. I don't mean to criticize, uh, uh, but it is weird. It's a copy yeah. and paste of a scene. Uh-huh. I mean, there's a ton of that in the theme park industry. Like, there's only so many companies that make massive uh, ride track systems and all. So they all use the same manufacturers. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and certain types of rides, your your, yeah. your wild mouses and your, uh, 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 you know, and spinning rides and that kind of thing. Yeah, they you are yeah. seeing a lot of copies of copies of the Universal, very famous for a lot of simulator rides, especially, like, when the Florida Park opened in 1990. Uh, there was, well, even more now, I think, like... You sit in a car, the car rocks around, there is a giant screen, and you're watching footage that syncs up with your ride vehicle's movement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Another uh, common Universal Studios trope is uh, getting splashed. Yes. There's a lot, There's a lot of, of splash. errant water going on in a lot of these rides. Not in the E.T. ride. That's a th- you, you, uh, when Once you're on the green planet, you think maybe you get sprayed by a fountain of water, but you remain dry. Mm-hmm. The Part of the one of the pieces of suspense that makes the ride so fun. <laughs> Let's, <laughs> that let's talk about the yeah. green planet. Well, let's. let's should we break down? Let's go through because I want to save the green planet stuff. Okay. This, this, let me. Let, we'll just tease the green planet. There's a so lot you end to up, talk about. You end up on the green planet. Now, yeah. the green planet 
is where E.T. is from, and it exists in some other forms of media. And if you don't know about the Green Planet, it's a little weird. It's a little strange that E.T. would come from this place. Uh, yeah, if you've only seen the film E.T., <laughs> <laughs> yeah. if you've only seen one part of the E.T. expanded universe, you know, the movie E.T., you might not know that, uh, you know, E.T. lives in a world of... Uh, Plants and uh, fluorescence. Uh, he lives in, uh, it's kind of a pre-Pandora, you might say. Yes, it is. That's, Pandora. I have that written down, too. It's mm. a bioluminescent, <laughs> which is the word I keep seeing in all of these Pandora write-ups, where it's like the bioluminescent forest. And I was like, well, you know what? E.T.'s home, the Green Planet, was bioluminescent, you know, 25 years before Pandora ever showed up. Yeah, this looks very similar to uh, Disney's new Pandora uh, uh, land. Well, Disney's of Avatar. striking back. They're getting revenge Disney's after that Peter Pan. getting revenge for that Peter Pan homage. It's a game of cat and mouse revenge that uh, extends over the course of 50 years. Uh, Peter Pan 1955 is ripped off in 1990, and in 2017, the Pandora Shaman Boat Ride. Like the Town of Monte Cristo, back. it takes a full lifetime to get revenge. <laughs> That's the best It's kind the of. long game. Yeah. Now, the Green Planet is mentioned, like, once in the movie. Doesn't Elliot say, like, oh, E.T. came from the Green Planet? Is that the full extent of... Is I it even in the movie? Is it in the movie? Is it in the movie? I don't even know that it's in the movie. Did it I might be in that? the movie. Hmm. I, maybe you huh. imagine that, or is there a piece of dialogue where he talks about the Green Planet? Uh, E.T. also doesn't have a lot of uh, speech capabilities, so uh, he probably couldn't get out a lot of information about the uh-huh. planet, even That's if he true. wanted to. In the movie or in this ride, as becomes very apparent at the very end. <laughs> yes, his speech troubles, and we'll get into that. Uh-huh. Uh, but the Green Planet is mentioned pretty heavily in the book of the Green Planet. Yes, and there's, there's a book called E.T. the Green Planet. Now, the first, I was just going to go break down, um, because the first glimpse we get of E.T.'s other world is mm-hmm. in the line. It's in the queue itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we see a character that is named Botanicus, as Steven Spielberg calls him, Botanicus. Mm-hmm. And that is, he's introduced as E.T.'s teacher, which is, you know... All you need to know. He taught E.T. how to put on a wig and uh, eat, a, eat a Reese's. Uh-huh. <laughs> Everything E.T. can do. Also a question I have, how old is E.T. in the movie? How old would you assume he is? Uh, I was thinking about this. He sort of, I mean, he's paired with a child. He's paired with other children. Does that make him a child? And when you see Botanicus, who basically, if you haven't been on the ride, is a is an elderly E.T. <laughs> yeah, Botanicus <laughs> is old as shit. Like, yeah. Botanicus yeah. looks like shit. The we will have links. Not kind to Botanicus. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he's E.T. with, like, seven more layers of wrinkles. And he talks like Master Splinter. But... He has a very... Yeah. A, a much greater vocabulary yes. than E.T. himself. Is um, is this answered in the book how old E.T. is? Uh, I don't think... I don't remember. I, I, full disclosure, I have the book E.T. the Green Planet. I have... I haven't read it cover to cover. I've also lost the book... <laughs> <laughs> and I also don't remember if E.T.'s age is addressed in it. Well, but, well, you're listening to real experts. <laughs> yeah, but I have done some. <laughs> I think you made the right call losing the book of the Green Flame. That was an accident, though. I really, I was, cherished, I was cherishing the book uh, despite losing it. Uh, what do we know about the book of the Green Planet? It, was, it came out like a few years after the movie? It was a few years after the movie, yeah. And uh, it's about E.T. It picks up right where E.T. left off, the movie E.T. left off. And... 
it's it's uh, as Jason, it's bizarre as shit. It's so weird. It's immediately ET is immediately sort of on a spaceship and like kind of longing for Elliot. He misses Elliot, and ET all of a sudden has like a vocabulary, and there are all these different like characters, and it's basically like a story where ET goes back and he lives in just the weirdest place. I mean, it resembles the ride, but. It's totally, tonally off from the movie. Now it's kind of a cute romp with these different characters. There's a character named the Flop Glopple, which is like described as like a character that looks like it's made out of socks. <laughs> which you're like, well, I don't know. It's like it's like you took E.T., gave him like a cuddly little cute cartoon personality, and then threw him into this weird adventure, which he eventually does go back because he misses Elliot so much. And Elliot also... Here, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. Elliot also is discovering girls, and E.T. has a telepathic link with him. And E.T. is, like, coaching Elliot through puberty. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, across space, though? Yes, because across Because he's space. on another planet? So E.T. will also, like, project his astral form <laughs> to E.T., uh, and it's just it's biz- the whole thing is just bizarre. Does that imply that E.T. and Elliot had this astral connection before they even met? Was E.T. Hmm. from the green planet before he got lost on Earth commanding Elliot to do things? <laughs> uh, uh, to, is you know, e. brush his also? teeth in a certain uh, uh-huh. uh, counterclockwise as opposed to clockwise? It's possible, I think. Are they both going through puberty or is E.T. just experiencing it through a residual uh, telepathic connection? I think it's residual telepathic connection. Okay. Uh, E.T., ET's uh, all of his species are asexual. They do address that. What? There's no I don't so I don't think he actually ET does not have sort of a normal human puberty. So when you're going but you would certainly call him a boy. You would call Botanicus yes. a him. Sure. Uh when you're in the ride and then when you're on the ET ride there's a bunch of other ETs swinging around on vines and playing plants as instruments and stuff. <laughs> are some of those uh, girls, or there just is no sex? Uh... Some of them are children, for sure, because mm-hmm. they're smaller than E.T. Unless think... it's some messed up culture where the smaller ones are the old ones. I, they and Botanicus have... is the youngest. When you're an E.T., you lose wrinkles and size <laughs> as the years go on. And you lose knowledge? Do you and, get and young people, like so, Benjamin yeah. Button <laughs> And young people teach old people. Yeah, <laughs> I better get all this knowledge out uh, now before I lose it. There is also, like, I Wise mean, in, babies. in this ride on the Green Planet, there's a lot of creatures that look like E.T., and then he's got a couple other fucking friends who don't look like E.T. at all. Yes. And they're they're kind of upsetting. If they're you, upsetting looking. If you were listening to the Steven Spielberg intro earlier and are still listening now, uh, part of the one of the things that Steven Spielberg tells you to do is look for E.T.'s friends because you will have to help E.T. find his friends. E.T. doesn't remember what his friends look like, right. apparently. So in that pre-show video, uh, you see three quick shots of these characters, uh, E.T.'s weirdo friends. One of them's a weird mushroom guy. One of them is a shrill doll with, with tentacle hair. hair. Yeah. yeah. Uh, who am I forgetting? Mushroom, shrill doll. Uh, help uh, me out. There's, there's another one. There's another one that looks kind of like the little doll, I feel like. But those bigger. are the main ones. I mean, Botanicus and the, those two that you mentioned are the big ones. The that other they one care. looks kind of like a uh, the uh, uh, little shop of horrors. Uh, uh, right. Yeah, the plant. Yes. Yeah. 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 Oh. Um, so I don't know. What are they? Are they plants? Or some of them? One of them is clearly a one mushroom. One of them is kind of a plant. The mushroom guy. Like I, as a kid, I don't like this. But the mushroom man 
says a very, <laughs> very specific line. He he sings, speaks the line, "Welcome home, you've arrived." And I don't like it, but I've written it so many times since I was a small child, it's ingrained in my memory, and I cannot forget Welcome Home. Despite this ride having not been open at uh, my local Universal Studios, which is Hollywood, uh, for many years, and I haven't been on it in a long time, there are things like that, Welcome Home, and E.T. saying ready and trouble that just are permanently ingrained that I say uh, my wife and I say in our day-to-day lives if we're uh, if we have finished tying our shoes and are ready to go out for the day we will say ready uh, <laughs> what a cool house right uh, <laughs> I think that's endearing uh, hey thanks well there, there's one there's one vote for endearing uh, thank God uh, what was I say oh yeah the uh, no this sing-songy language that is so distinct that that uh, I find very charming it makes me like the mushroom guy I don't like the shrill doll, as implied by that, I'm calling it the shrill doll. The shrill doll says, uh, uh, kind of talks in sort of a manic, uh, kind of uh, screams at you. Like, join yeah. the celebration! Yeah, um, it's kind of horrendous. Oh, Oops. dang. Um, <laughs> blooper number one. Uh, the uh, I looked up the names of these three creatures, uh, and I'm really proud that I didn't know this already. Some deep theme park knowledge I'm glad to have, like ID and Odie, Captain EO's friends, but I'm really glad I didn't previously know the names Teakly, Orbadon, and Magdal. <laughs> uh, is Orbadon the mushroom man? I think. I'm not I can only assume Magdal is the scary doll. I think Orbadon is the... Uh, I don't know what about the name Orbidon implies mushroom, but uh-huh. uh, yeah, orb. Could like be. he's an orb. It's like sort of an orbish head, I guess. I suppose so. And these guys don't show up again. I mean, the financial reality is probably that they're like, all right, we can afford like three kind of big animatronics that move a little, and the rest are just little fucking ETs <laughs> that are just like, can be uh-huh. well, they the kind of wave, mold. or like they're on a conveyor belt, so it looks like they're playing ball, but they're, they're right. still. The ET adventure in general is a pretty limited animation ride. You will not be blown away as you would by uh, the, you know, the pirate auctioneer or the Johnny Depp figure. Uh, in fact, the uh, FBI agents and the police, I think, do not move whatsoever. They are essentially still mannequin dolls. Uh, probably a thing that could be improved about this ride, although I find it sort of charmingly cheap as they well. They do a lot of cool stuff, though, like in the in the forest when the ride first starts with, like, lighting, where it seems like headlights are coming through you. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of neat practical effects. Yeah, I think it's a ride that where the uh, uh, the environments and the production design is stronger than the character animation. But maybe in 1990 when this ride was built, Disney completely had that market cornered. Uh, uh, and in fact, I guess in general, Universal Studios does not have, like, incredible... Audio animatronics. I think you might say that their production design is better than their uh, their characters. Yeah, right. Uh, which is nothing to dock it for. Is there's so many great uh, uh, Universal rides, and uh, this 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 one included something we didn't talk about. The the line of this ride, I think, is fantastic. Oh, yeah, and maybe the first really good Universal line. Uh, uh, a lot of uh, I feel like Universal lines up until that point were just like just turnstiles, and you're outside, and you aren't really in an environment. But in this thing, you're in this um, this amazing lush forest Redwood kind of forest, yeah, with, with, which which smells this very particular way. I'm sure you guys remember the ET ride smell. Mm-hmm. That's a thing that like that's a specific thing that theme park people 
do, I think, have an affinity for an obsession with is that smell. To the point where I found a Facebook page where people were talking about, like, I found Febreze spray that smells like the E.T. line, which is just kind of like mist and uh, fog, like mist and condensation, in fact. But it is is a very um, specific thing. Yeah, there's many rides, like, where you know the smell of Pirates of the Caribbean or the Haunted Mansion. Like, those, like, I think people would probably pay... Uh, like top dollar for like a spray in their house or a candle that yeah. would smell like just some sixty year old building. Oh yeah, or, like some old water. Some little packet of ten where you could label them real fast. Here's a uh, uh, Midway Mania. Here's uh, uh, <laughs> what are other smells? I don't know. Uh, the Soren smells. Smell. Oh I think yeah, people go of nuts course. for the famous yeah. Soren smell. Aren't there? There's there's some rides out there with some like. Fart smells. For doesn't Stitch oh, fart in the Stitch, stitch farts? Yeah. The minions. Shrek fart. farts. Shrek farts. Shrek has a lot of farting. Universal locking down those farts. <laughs> yeah, Shrek. Uh, the Universal also is has the most fart smells on any of the rides because there's a minions fart and then there's a Shrek fart, and I think only Stitch might fart in Disney. So yeah, Universal's got Disney beat by that. If E.T. or Botanicus fart, they are silent farts. Yeah. We'll never know what they smell like. Um, anyway, amazing line. It's a really great yeah. line. And I think uh, uh, maybe, the, yeah, like I was saying, maybe the first Universal Studios line that kind of uh, builds, uh, uh, gets you into the world of it, helps tell the story. It predates uh, really excellent lines like uh, the Indiana Jones ride or uh, uh, I can I assume the Avatar line is great. That's what I've heard. Um, the, one, the one nitpick I have with the line is that it starts in sort of a movie studio area. Like, it starts in a spot that looks like it's, like, there's just pictures of E.T. on the wall, which, like, for me personally, I like it to be, like, immersive right from the get-go. So I would prefer that it's just sort of trees immediately versus, like, you go into this room with pictures of E.T. and Drew Barrymore, and then you go on the right. But the reason this is the case is is that they have changed the actual the pre-show that Steven Spielberg and the speech Steven Spielberg gives you. Yes. Yeah, um, we've discovered we discovered researching this because I I can only remember the one Spielberg video. Mhm. But uh, I'm introducing this. I believe the sum total in the history of the ET adventure is that there were three uh, different Steven Spielberg intro videos, all sort of with the same components, him reminding you that we don't have much time, only ET's healing touch can mm-hmm. save his planet. Uh, but the the uh, the first one, which uh, when the ride first opened in 1990 in Florida, uh, there's a, a video that I'm very fond of where Steven Spielberg is in a movie theater. He's eating popcorn, watching... Uh, I guess E.T., he's just re-watching it, remembering, <laughs> hoping it holds up. And uh, uh, and he's eating popcorn, and then you cut close to the popcorn, and E.T.'s fingers reach in there. And, uh, E.T.'s and they glow finger too. is stalking him throughout this yeah. video. Mm. So that video... Like, haunting him. Kind of like, yeah, he's not aware of E.T. until deep into it, but that, yeah, that finger is always poking around. And once he finally taps him on the shoulder and gets his attention, that finger's creepily hanging there for <laughs> five to ten seconds before... <laughs> <laughs> E.T. says anything. We'll oh, post a e. link of this oh, in the I, metadata. Um, uh, so, but yeah, the context, <laughs> the context of mm. this is that the ride itself in the for the first, you know, 10 years that it was around was that this was a sequel to E.T. and we were all actors and we were going to play our parts while we were on the ride. So the reason that the, the ride starts in a spot that looks like a movie production place is because initially they were thinking that we were all going to be pretending to be actors while we went on the ride, which... 
they eventually thought it was like, this is stupid. So then they put in that much more exciting intro that you heard at the top of this whole segment. Well, uh, spe- even that one is the third one because there was a second oh, right, right. mid step. The one that you played was from the uh, was from like 2002 when there was a big 20th anniversary re-release of E.T. There was one in the 90s, which was almost the same thing. And it's unclear to me why they changed it. It's almost the same stuff. Yeah, Steven Spielberg in the forest. You're going to be riding bikes. Uh, he's but- wearing a vest in that one though yes he has different clothes and in the new one he's wearing a hat which i really like i like when a director talks to you in a cap it lets you know that they are a director because they're wearing their iconic director's <laughs> cap, cap probably for a battleship <laughs> yes yeah, probably uh, <laughs> a battleship they did not serve on they were gifted <laughs> oh yeah the very yeah the james cameron uh uh, uh ron yes, howard stolen sure. valor <laughs> <laughs> well, making a movie is like going to war, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, they survived the SS abyss or whatever. Um, <laughs> so anyway, uh, yeah, there's there's two intros where Steven Spielberg's in the forest. The original one uh, is, is Steven in the theater telling you you're going to be in a scene, and E.T. at the end telling you, be good actors, <laughs> which is a very clunky phrase to come out of yeah. E.T.'s mouth. I don't know that E.T. could... Uh, mentally handle the concept of filmmaking and the logic know what movies are yeah the logic of it is all wrong too because et is treated as if he's a real person but like so et in this world is an actor that's playing et well this is confused logic that's in a lot of things and especially rides where you know like the in some cases uh, mickey mouse or the looney tunes are real people in the world right. and somebody calls action on their cartoons and then they walk away from the set. Uh, uh, you actually see this in another Universal ride, the Hanna-Barbera, the fantastic world of Hanna-Barbera. Long, long gone Hanna-Barbera ride. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One yeah. of the original rides. But I just watched the video of that where, uh, you know, Hanna and Barbera are telling Fred Flintstone, okay, they need you on the set. And then he walks away and doesn't speak or do anything. <laughs> uh, so there's a lot of media that has this confusing construct where the character is real and they act it as themselves. I guess you're being asked to believe that E.T. is like an eight-mile situation where <laughs> Uh, the uh, guy is doing his his life story as a film. Yeah, mm-hmm. and Universal used to really skirt the line. Like when it first opened in Florida, uh, there was so much like fake, like you know, lighting rigs and like prop boxes and like a lot. They really made everything look like a set, and that's mm-hmm. kind of how they got away with like. You know, the Jaws ride is next to the Back to the Future ride. It's just like... You're on a back lot that's yeah, you're come on a to back life. lot that's mm-hmm. come to life, and you're going through them. And what is weird with these dif- different Spielberg things is that, like, Universal's original marketing slogan that if you find any old kid show where they would give away a trip to Universal Studios, they would always do that tag. Like, Universal Studios ride the movies. Mm-hmm. And, like, it really used to split the difference on attractions of here's how a movie is made versus now you are writing the movie. Yeah, there was some very tortured logic in a lot of that stuff in the Ghostbusters attraction at Universal Florida. You were on 
the soundstage where they filmed the final battle with Gozer, but then it has been haunted by actual ghosts. And almost everything on the, the Universal Tram Tour has that construct where, like, we're going onto a hot set where they're filming a new scene. Wait a minute, they left it all on. Like, it's actually real King Kong is in the fake set. I think Universal had a, lo- had a long time where they were... Uh, they, this was too confusing. They, they had trouble calibrating this. And I like that now they're a little more just committed to the simple... If you're going into Harry Potter land, you're in Harry Potter land. You're not on the set of the new Harry Potter. There was a lot of yeah. awkward stuff where, like, it, originally, when I was a kid at Universal Studios, you would go to the uh, the ADR stage where they're doing a, a, a new episode of Harry and the Hendersons. And you'd be watching the AD, you'd be watching the Foley sound effects session for Harry and the Hendersons in 1999. And then there'd be this weird part where, like, Oh no, the audio dropped out. We have to record it live. And in what world is there a live, <laughs> a live episode fully. of Harry and the Hendersons in 1999? Uh, I did a similar. There, there was a very short-lived like. How do they make Hercules the Legendary Journeys and Xena Warrior Princess <laughs> making of show? Wow. Where they would put you in front of a green screen, and I remember like being a volunteer in this, and they made me look like a centaur in front of a green screen. Whoa! Were you um, humiliated? No, I was psyched. <laughs> I I was all about that. I I so wanted to do that. Across America, BP supports more than two hundred and seventy-five thousand jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms, and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Well, you get you gained some height, probably. I yeah, I did gain some height. <laughs> Congratulations. Um, uh, the mighty legs of a horse. <laughs> um, my my mother did that. The M- Disney's MGM Studios. There's the uh, they had the thing where you would like be in part of the TV shows. It would be like Superstar Television, I believe it was called. And it would be like someone was Gilligan's Island and my mom was on some soap opera and she had to like pull a gun on someone and it confused the hell out of me. (laughs) Like I really – I knew it was fake but I was like, but my mom has a gun and a fur coat now and like everything is different. (laughs) Like I didn't – I really – I was very confused. Do you still have nightmares uh, about this situation? Yeah. Even talking about it, I just flashed back to it. It was – it's weird. It was weird. I still – it's attached to a, a weird feeling in my head. I think probably a lot of our uh, theme park <laughs> careers have led to some scarring memories yeah. and the things that have uh, uh, given us disturbing dreams and uh, weird complexes, and we'll get into all of them as yeah. we go. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and the the stuff about Universal, um, there is a great article that I, I have read a few times now, and I just read again this morning. It was in The Dissolve. If you guys remember the website The Dissolve, it was when Pitchfork – tried to make a website for movie writing, for film writing. It was a lot of, like, AV club writers who moved. Yeah, so, yeah, they got a lot of AV club writers, and then eventually it got shut down, but it's I think it's all still online. It's all good websites and, with good writing. Too. Yeah, and, and there really was a lot of great articles, and there was an article about Universal Studios Florida, and the writer was speculating that, like, well, one of the things that was different of Universal Studios when it first opened in Florida and now is that uh, there There was a lot more shows about, like, how movies are made. Like, how did Alfred Hitchcock do all those iconic scenes? And 
a few things happened over time. One, uh, DVD special features became ubiquitous. So it's not much of a mystery of how they make movies anymore. And then two is that uh, you can just shoot movies on your phone and edit them on a laptop. And and so, like, they, they really got rid of a lot of those shows and went towards, like, these immersive, like, you're in the movie. This is a new part. This is a sequel or a prequel or yeah. something, and you're living it. Sure. I would I would add a number three to that, which I honestly only really learned in the last couple of years. Uh, three would be most people don't give a shit. Oh, yeah. Most Some of those things do were not care about how movies hell. are made, yeah. about how things are written, how things are conceived. Like, I've brought a, like a handful of friends out here and have taken them on this Universal Studios tram tour. They could have given a shit about it. They do not care. Because I'm, like, I'm like, ooh, this soundstage. Like, I took them to the Warner Brothers lot. Casablanca shot here. And they're like, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh, okay. Uh, where are we going next? Like, and I was, I was floored. I was like, but the movies were made here, and they're like, yeah. I don't, we don't care. But we if do King not care. Kong attacks that tram, well, now you got, now well, that, you got a now winner. You're working you with now you're working sure. with something. Now, do you want to find out how that King Kong was made for the ride? No, fuck no, you, no, fuck no, you, fuck, you. fuck yourself. <laughs> that is, then you but are us. You the are difference only is us that we you. do. We yes. would like yeah, to we, know. Oh, absolutely. Which short sleeve old engineers like tirelessly worked on like the. The, the crotch of King Kong, like how to make his legs swing a certain way, like give us that red meat. The other thing that's weird is that I'm always going to websites and learning all this information and then it's like, oh, God, I wonder who built the King Kong robot. Oh, it, they, it was a guy named Bob Gurr. Oh, like what else do you do with that? Uh-huh. And that's the yeah. end of that story. Uh, you read what else he did. <laughs> yeah, and you're so, like, oh, so. wow, I like a lot of this man's work. Yes, sure. But it's it's often hard to convey to other people, which will be the challenge of uh, doing this podcast. Sure. Oh, Is sure. any of this interesting? Are, <laughs> yeah. we do, are we doing this for ourselves? Are all podcasts kind of for yourself, <laughs> possibly? <laughs> we have a lot of big picture questions we hope uh-huh. to get to the yeah. bottom of. Uh, anyway, let's talk, <laughs> on that note, let's talk interplanetary passports. Uh, um, yes. I, um, <laughs> a great okay. topic. Let's explain what ex- the hell this is. Yeah, so Steven Spielberg <laughs> mentioned it a while ago, uh, but when you begin the E.T. adventure experience, uh, you are set up with an operator in the early days of the ride, probably AT&T, who were the sponsors of it, and you had to give your name to the operator who would put your name onto a special passport, a little, like, flimsy card. And if you're going on this ride in Florida today, almost 30 years deep, uh, that is the most flimsy, falling apart, <laughs> unlaminated, uh, peeling-off card you've ever seen. Although I've seen them sell on eBay for like $3,000. It's crazy. Uh, but anyway, uh, the payoff of all of this is that at the end of the ride, due to the interplanetary passport, E.T. says your name. He says mm-hmm. your name to you. Uh, cool stuff, right? Uh-huh. Very, uh, yeah. I mean, as a kid, it was like, Wow. E.T.'s going to call me by my first name. And then the reality of it is that E.T. doesn't enunciate well, as we said before. Uh, and he enunciates even worse on the ride than he does in the movie. Can we all just like to try to say our names the way E.T. would? Yes. Yeah. And Jason was the luckiest of that. Yeah, I get it pretty close, but my dad, my dad is also named Michael, and I feel like Michael does not come out. Like a very common American yeah. name. Uh, that when, when I went on it, th- the last time I've been on this ride was uh, went on this ride was three years ago, and he garbled his way through the whole like eight people that were on the ride vehicle. It was just like ah ah ah. 
ah, <laughs> like just like one after another of like butchering and like <laughs> like he was drunk or something, he's like a, phoning it in dead. more than uh, like Steven Spielberg, uh, like Brian Wilson being uh, shoved in front of the piano <laughs> at the Beach Boys concert. Um, he's kind of playing it a little. Hey, right. look, we're just happy he's around. We're happy, happy to see it. him. Happy to um, see our friend ET, our friend Brian Wilson. <laughs> I think they're equivalent figures. Uh, Doctor um, Landy worked with ET and Brian. <laughs> ET tried to do a rap song once too, uh, but so yeah, and it's yeah, it never worked out great. And you were also you, I feel like you were always like a little behind it. Um, like you, ET's no longer in your uh, frame of vision by the time he's saying your name. Uh, yeah, they, it was yes. never timed out too correctly. Uh, but I. The idea of this was so neat, and I and this was so long before there was any uh, customization of uh, uh, of rides. Now you go on Star Tours, and it picks you to be the spy. Or there's going to be a lot of interactivity in the upcoming Star Wars land. But I think without ET saying your name, uh, you don't have those greater, better pulled off milestones right. in the future. Mm-hmm. That's an early innovation that people have built on. You would have thought, though, by now. In 2017, they could have just fixed the fucking thing, though. <laughs> like, they could have <laughs> no. done something that would actually make... I mean, I I read today on something that people were like, like, talk, like, eat the E.T. voice is working again. But I don't know that they've completely overhauled it. They really should just get a teenager to do the voice and say it. Like, they really should just get... Just print a sheet out, do it live, <laughs> have an 18-year-old kid. Fuck okay. it. We'll do it live. I can't. I'll do it live. And then E.T. just reads down the list. And the Because they do that. They have, like, the fun, like, talking fountains and stuff in Universal. Sure. They have, like, charming performers, Does college students. Does a fountain students. talk to you? When is There's that a happen? fountain over by the Harry Potter. It's in the, what's the what's the land by Harry Potter in oh, Florida? Oh, the Lost Continent. The Lost Continent. Thank uh, you. A forgotten universe. An original creation of, like, right. Universal uh, that most people walk right through. Sure, that's what we did. That's Except the Poseidon show. And, yeah. yeah. One, of our, one of our, my girlfriend and I's favorite memories is the fountain, well, like, had a very, like, cool like English voice and it was like talking to this little girl and he was like Olivia hello Olivia Olivia come over here Olivia and we were like very charmed by this talking fountain so I feel like they have the capability to make E.T. speak we're missing out on stuff like this British Olivia voice that fountain is a guy That there's a camera on that fountain and there's a guy somewhere watching that person and talking to them I know that so you're saying they should do that for E.T. I'm just saying they can have a clearer voice do you know that? I do I think know you might that. just be a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I am not a fucking idiot, Here's all right? Don't thing. tell people that that's what I am. <laughs> but that fountain, every time I see that fountain, it, it's sassy. Like, it's ragging on people. It's like roasting well, people and shooting water at them. Universal has a whole thing where they, they rag on you a little more than uh, yeah. Disney does. Because I got ragged on by those New York Street performers before. Oh. Where they're like, oh, look at this guy. Look at this guy here. And they can't say anything mean or they can't swear. So they'll look the news big. This lady's wearing a funny hat. Look at that lady's hat. Like, really, like, if it was a real issue, he'd be like, this fucking bitch. <laughs> but, like, they can't say that. So it's just like, look at that guy. He's got a he's got a funny pair of pants on. Look at that guy's pants. It's Whoa, devastating. Buddy. If those New York people get on you, oh, man, it's devastating. You're <laughs> yeah, starting your vacation bet. off being humiliated. Oh, boy. What is this guy from Denver? <laughs> yes. Oh, you live on a mountain, pal? <laughs> Look at this mountain guy. <laughs> and, like, that does work. The audience, people like yeah, that. Yeah, people like him. 
But if you're, yeah, if you're getting roasted, it's like, oof. I'd avoid that at all costs. Still today, they're saying all this stuff about the Star Wars attractions, that you're going to have a reputation that carries you along through the all these, that you'll, like, somebody will criticize you for doing a bad job on the uh-huh. Millennium Falcon ride. It's a lot of pressure. It sounds horrible to me. But maybe E.T. should roast you a little bit as you as you get off the ride. Ah, this Fuck is you, buddy. <laughs> you Don't didn't come help. back. You were, you were baggage on that bike. Um, Look at your hat. <laughs> Look at this fucking hat. What are you, from Denver? <laughs> you don't even like Magdal. <laughs> you weren't nice to Teakley. Um, it's one of my oldest friends, and this is how you treat him. Uh, it's sort of like grouchy Jewish ET that we're yeah. developing. Um, well, that would be an improvement, though. Come visit me more often. Come on. Come on. Uh, that's a question is what do you do? How do you uh, how do you improve this ride? What do we do to the ride? You know, we're in charge of the park. What do we uh, uh, do? Do we, do we fix it? Do we tear yeah. it out? What happens to so, the ET adventure? We've come up with uh, like an official grading system. Let's call it an unofficial grading system. Uh, so there's three choices that we should each pick of what we would do with this ride. Uh, would we, one, keep it as is, like mm-hmm. don't do anything to it. It's perfect. We want to preserve it for future generations. Two, keep the ride but plus it up. Make some changes. Make some improvements to it, like maybe that grouchy Jewish E.T. at the end. Uh, or three, we hate the ride and we want to burn it down in an accidental fire for insurance purposes. Quote unquote accidental quote unquote fire. Quote, Universal fire. Studios history is littered with quote unquote accidental <laughs> fires. Disney has one or two as well. I suppose <laughs> there mysterious are. insurance hey, fires. You can, you can get some money if something burns down and you didn't have anything to do with it. Yeah, look, there's fireworks going off. There's all manner of things. You know. Disgruntled employees, quote unquote. Water, a lot of electronics. I mean, we've all thought thought about it in our daily lives, folks. Yeah. So burning down a universal. Sure. Uh, So, all right, Jason, you go first. What would your choice be? Would you keep it as plus up or burn it down? Uh, I think plus up because I do like this ride. I feel like people like ET's not fully in the front of our consciousness, but I feel like people still like E.T. I feel like that's a a classic family movie, and this is this ride, I think a lot of it is still fun. I, I feel like, yeah, there is stuff that can be improved. That weird room where they're giving you the passport that looks like a movie set, like, just turn the whole line into a forest queue or something, and yeah, put some more animatronics in and like make e- yeah, make ET talk better at the end. So sure. I think keep it and plus it up. And okay. I, I think this will probably I mean I'm saying this this ride will probably outlive us all. You think really? Well, th- it's an interesting note because they've gotten rid of two of them. There were there was one yeah. in Orlando, there was one in Japan, and there was one here. And the one here and in Japan went away. And uh it, it angered Mr. Spielberg apparently, yeah. and he put his foot down and he kept the one here. Um, it angers but, me. I I say, you know, I'm all for replacing rides if you have a if you have a better ride to go in its place. And the one in Japan looks kind of cool. I don't know if you guys have looked this up. There's a ride called Space Fantasy: The Ride, and uh, it's uh, it looks kind of neat. You get to like fly into the sun or something. It's a spinning mm-hmm. roller coaster. It looks like a blast. But here, uh, oddly similarly, there's this mummy ride where you go into an eclipse or something. That's the end of the ride. Uh, you you get spun around and they flash a lot of lights at you and somebody yells, the eclipse. <laughs> like, what? Where? Am I in it? 
Is it happening far away from me? What's the story with this eclipse? Yeah, the mummy ride at Universal Studios Hollywood is trash. I think it's an awful it ride. Is. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's a couple things to like, a couple tiny things to like about it. But things. yeah, well, there's a better version better of it in, in Florida. Florida. And it feels very generic. It feels like this, you're just in a warehouse on a roller coaster, which is, like, fun viscerally. But where's the theming? Where is the adventure and the fun yeah. of going to the green goddamn planet? Like, it's 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 a step down. It's a bummer that that's the thing that replaced it. Yeah. And Spielberg, Spielberg helped make Universal Studios Florida. Like, he was, like, the big guiding, like, Hollywood consultant. So they want to keep him happy because he still consults on the parks yeah i mean i'm i am worried though if he dies if they go well steven's dead and then like the bulldozers hit the ride in orlando the next day all the we're contracts all are die, off uh, well i know we're, we're all, all gonna die i know we're day. all gonna die i know that too uh so scott what is your so you want to what would your choice be oh yeah three pl- plus well, it up plus it up uh bring it back in right. hollywood god damn it and uh, you know what I think? You know what I think hurts the ride is that you don't you don't really know uh, who Botanicus is. He's his teacher. Okay, what uh, what did he teach him to do? Uh, what is the what's the connection there? What's the relationship? I want to know. Maybe maybe uh, in that pre ride uh, sequence, you watch a little film or something. Uh, maybe we bring E. T. into the language of like uh, the CGI movies, the Despicable Me kind of animation that all the kids oh, love yeah. these days. Maybe you do some new stuff that explains who Botanicus is. It explains who Mook Mook or these other uh, 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 Glip Glop, all these uh, Green Planet characters are. Maybe you provide some context so by the time you see him in the ride you love him you want to reach out of the bike and give him a hug that brings mm-hmm. up a great point you have to get et back to the green planet so his healing touch can fix the green planet none of these other assholes have that power like that what is, is botanicus's power i yeah botanicus has like an orb where it seems like he gets his power from there's like a cool orb that's but by him but is he, the power just to see et and what he's doing he, yes that might be <laughs> <laughs> um, it's like a crystal ball not much of a my power. theory about et is that he, much like superman when he's exposed to earth's yellow sun that's how he gets his powers like he doesn't have powers on krypton et under our yellow sun on earth has these magical powers to, you know, grow plants and stuff. But I would imagine all of his species has that. It's not like E.T. They really present E.T. as like a dumpy little boy in that movie. It's not like mm-hmm. E.T. is this extraordinary alien that can bring something back. And this ride frames him as like the chosen one, which I don't think the the movie was not about him being that he was just a regular kid hanging yeah. out with another kid. But in fact, when he's gone, the planet has gone to shit. When yeah. you first arrive at that green apart. planet, it's a bunch of, it's just gas. People are, characters are dying. It does, uh, it does have that thing where the ride is like the movie in that it's like scary and depressing. E.T. Yeah. is yes. a very upsetting film and when you arrive <laughs> at the green planet, it's like you're watching E.T. in the incubation unit uh, frothing at the mouth and dying. <laughs> uh, I guess he doesn't seize, he doesn't foam, but in my, I, I'll never know because because I don't want to watch that E.T. death stuff. It's very depressing. Again. I did not care for it as a child. It was very, uh, yeah, very traumatizing. Yeah, my mom would ask, "Do you want to watch E.T.?" Like, no, Fuck no, please, no. Did I do something wrong? <laughs> um, but yeah, maybe you know, maybe you learn more about these people. You up the yeah. stakes. I think better animatronics. Uh, although maybe not those cops. Maybe I like that those cops are 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 a 
department yeah. store mannequins. Uh, they're <laughs> brainless automatons, the way the worst of the police officers <laughs> whoa, whoa, are. Uh, uh, only the very, very, we're not all of them. Folks, you know what I'm saying? the state has a monopoly on violence, uh, but we're not going down that road. <laughs> Michael, what's your version? <laughs> <laughs> oh, on that door. <laughs> we fed uh, you into that very nicely. I, I am going to uh, also say plus it up. And Hooray. I have some idea. We all are on the same page with this. The first thing I have is that I would like Steven Spielberg to record the video again. <laughs> I would like a fourth video. Every year. Let's keep sending them out. Yeah, let's because the last one was in 2002, I think, or something around then. I think it needs a, an update. And here's what I propose. He isn't Steven Spielberg in the video. You don't use his name. You can be cute about it. He can be like, hello, I'm E.T.'s friend Steve. And like we can say Steve and like there can be like a wink of like, we know, because I don't like the idea that it's this director of the movie. He needs to play a character in the universe. I want it to sell that he, that we're in another adventure. But is it going to confuse people? Are they going to think that he's the store owner from the Blues Brothers? <laughs> the most <laughs> iconic Steven Spielberg character? <laughs> if that movie was in the last, had come out last 30 years <laughs> then maybe then maybe why didn't he reprise it in 2000 oh that that why that is a good question <laughs> that would have been a good callback old uh, store owner so i want steve i want him to play steve and i also want a little more explanation because in this ride it's like why is et back on earth already it's not the same mm. thing from the movie so i would like i i would propose this that the video is sort of E.T. and his friend Steve doing something. He's like, and Steve is like, thanks for coming back to Earth, E.T. Like, it's so good. And like, they're doing, they could be playing cards. They could be watching a movie. I don't care. And then Botanicus on the video comes to them and goes, what's my splinter voice? Like, you must <laughs> He's sort of like, uh, to... it's like a warmer. Uh... Yeah, a warmer. I am Botanicus. <laughs> That's that's offensive. I'm sorry. Et, where are you going? We're, we're, we got to finish Bridge of Spies. And then, yeah, that's good. That's fine. If you want to put a nod to the Steven Spielberg's work, but not reference that he directed it. And then Steve explains to the audience that he can't go, but Et had just got a transmission from Botanicus, and they need to go. And you guys are the ones to help. So then that makes sense. Now we know why he's there. Now we know we're not confused why the director of the movie is there. Now we just know there's a mission. We're gonna go help Et go back. Then, yeah, you get rid of that thing where it's like a movie studio. You put more trees in there. You come up with a cooler way to do the the name thing. Like maybe E.T. asks you your name or something before. Hmm. Like he, you have to just say it to him, and then there's a teenager behind there, and he hears the name of it, and then that's when he says it later, <laughs> which I guess kind of kills the, the fun of talking to E.T. until the end. So maybe I can workshop inter, that. Make, put the interplanetary passport on your phone. That's a great idea. That's a great idea. Oh, sure. Great. Apps are big these days. They have not converted those interplanetary passport cards to QR codes yet. They're still rocking Uh a barcode. There we go. Let's get it up to 2012 technology. Yeah. Um, I also a thing that bothers me is that they call him ET. His his aliens call him. His friends from the planet call him ET, Hmm. which is not his name. I know his real name. His real name is Zrek. Z R E K. Because that is in the book. The oh, Green that just Planet. rolls off the top. Zrek. So if we're gonna be we're gonna be accurate, they should be like, "Hello, Zrek." Like that should be all. They should. That's how they should be calling him. I understand it'll confuse tourists, but let's be accurate. 
Maybe Zarek you is... can flash a disclaimer with an asterisk, as that is said, or pause the ride entirely, <laughs> unfurl a big sheet of information in the original, uh, in the E.T. mythology, uh, E.T. is Rick. Obviously, they wouldn't call him E.T. That's a name that Elliot made up, so that's why this is what it is. And then the paper goes back up. You continue with the ride. Sure. Yeah, that's fine. Zarek is, I think, the name uh, the Zodiac Killer signed some of his letters with. <laughs> <laughs> nice little Zarek. reference. Nice little Easter egg in that E.T. book to the Zodiac Killer. Yeah. He almost signed it Botanicus. But <laughs> it was a flip of a coin. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I would install a few more Botanicus animatronics as well. Like, he has to have a little bit of a stronger presence. Also, maybe make, like, sort of a Force Ghost, Star Wars Ghost Botanicus during the ride or the first part of the ride where he says, close, oh, you're almost there, or watch out, or something like, have his presence be felt because he's such a big, they pipe him up to be so big and then he's he's barely on the ride. He barely his, does anything. His big ghost is hovering above Dodger Stadium in the fake Los Angeles. <laughs> this visible way, in the spotlights. This, what do I, I'm missing now. This way. Don't, like don't like hit that. Chavez Ravine on your <laughs> way out. Um, uh, yeah, and then also like, Tone down, like, is it because when they get to the green planet, it feels like it's like they're all the munchkins in the Wizard of Oz. It's a very munchkin vibe of like, right this way. Yes, you're welcome home. You've arrived. Like, why pick a different thing? Like, it doesn't. I don't know why everyone would be like so cheery. Like, and I think more ETs. Don't you want to see a I, ton of ETs? You want a ton of ETs, not these yeah. uh, little plant guys you never met. Yeah, right. The plant guys don't make any sense. More ETs and like make them. One as a mohawk or something. One as like a but whatever the ET version of a mohawk is. Ooh, All right. If one and, had an electric guitar, like <laughs> as the rock and roll ET, <laughs> he rips a party. quick solo. <laughs> And then you could do a thing where there's a new song every time you ride the ride. You got a DJ one with a big dead mouse helmet. Sure. Let's make it relevant to the rave kids. And you know what? How about one girl one? There. There'll be one girl ET. <laughs> Very a token. Let's be progressive here. A token girl ET. <laughs> just blonde hair. Which looks just like the ET from the closet. Oh, yeah, sure. Which is a photo op you can get after the ride. Oh, yeah. Don't forget. Don't forget. Um, and then, yeah, my last thing is for all these different characters and for Botanic, Bota- Botanicus, as Mr. Spielberg calls him, where's the merch? Hmm. Where's the Botanicus doll? Yeah. Like, why isn't, like, why yeah. are we not taking advantage? Like, the big th- part of theme parks is like marketing and selling some shit, moving merchandise. You know what? My favorite obscure characters, uh, the e- or the uh, Captain EO, Car- uh, ID and Odie, and Major Domo. Major all, and Minor Domo. Major and Minor Domo. And Hooter. They, and Hooter. They, I have a little Hooter. They do have dolls of these obscure things. Why not um, ruffle through notes, ruffle through notes? Orbidon. <laughs> I want to take an Orbidon home. Yeah, they should have more Orbidon merch. I, then... That marketing worked on me as a kid so much of like, look, it's the merch from the ride, and you can't get this anywhere else, you little fuck. <laughs> you better buy it now. It's like, yeah, I better buy it now. Where Clock else ticket. would I fucking buy this? Now the answer is eBay or Etsy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so too many opportunities. Too many to share opportunities. In the magic. Yeah, but I mean, the, the when the ride goes away, it's hard to get that merch. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, you'll you'll cherish that Botanicus ride, or, excuse me, Botanicus doll for the next 30 years. Who's the mushroom one? Orbidon? Orbidon. You get a mus- big mushroom helmet. Uh, yes. It doesn't have to just be a doll. Becomes an heirloom. Mm-hmm. Parents pass them. I this it, is my Orbidon, son, and it's your Orbidon now. <laughs> I think, like, in the late 90s when kids were rocking the, the uh, cat in the hat hat. 
kids are going to be wearing that Orbidon hat <laughs> at raves. It'll be different colored it's Orbidon the new hats. Devo Energy Dome. Yeah. Uh, so. For a new generation of kids who will get beat up as soon as they <laughs> wear it in public. So, I mean, that's... Orbidon helmets is the solution. We all agree. We so, all agree. Uh, keep implement it. all, keep it and implement all of our solutions now, please. Mm-hmm. You heard us, Universal Studios big wigs. Uh, I, I got I, an in there, I had a minimum wage job there. Uh, they owe me. Hey, start to get cranking on those Orbiton helmets, would you? Yeah, send them an MP3 of this and yeah, <laughs> and assume that they listen to it. They might, uh, folks, we'll be right back. Folks, we're back. Uh, here with a segment we're calling Souvenir Smackdown. The S- three of souvenir us. Souvenir Smackdown. <laughs> <laughs> um, there. That was a so, cue. So, so, souvenir. <laughs> so, 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 souvenir Smackdown. All right. We got all the morning radio uh, trademarks <laughs> The zoo crew there. stuff, yeah. The zoo crew stuff. Uh, folks, there's a, a, a large uh, secondary market, I guess you call it, for theme park uh, merch and souvenirs on... Pretty much any website that sells stuff, Amazon, eBay, Etsy, uh, and you can find vintage souvenirs, uh, maps, tickets, a- anything you want you could find on these websites. Uh, and we, the three of us set out to each find a weird thing. Yeah, so we're going to find out who has who has found the weirdest piece of, of uh, souvenir merchandise. And then I guess we'll all vote on it. I suppose so. You might call uh, you might call this stuff Disneyana. Yes, That's that technical term. Although some of it might not be from Disneyland, so uh, right. I don't know what kind of Anna it is. It's the theme park Anna, I guess. What is that? What is that? Why is that word Disneyana? I don't I have know. No idea because it's not. Yeah, Anna. It Do should you be know? memorabilia, like Disneybilia, right? Universabilia. Does it come from like antiquing? Like maybe. Like Americana, <laughs> antiquing. Is it is it is it Disney and Americana mashed up? Could be I'll, better uh, name. Plus up the name. Burn down <laughs> the name Disneyana for tell, insurance money. Tell us on Twitter if you know what. Where did that come from? Yeah. Um, so all right. So who wants to go first? I'll go. Jason, you go it. first. All right, I got it. Okay. So I found. Uh, now we all know when you shop for collectibles, like collectible toys. You want to keep it in the packaging so that it accrues value over time, and it's in good shape when you keep it in the packaging. With, like, toys and shit. But what I found is a weird thing to keep in the packaging. This is a... I don't know uh, what year this is copyright. Um, This is a child's swim ring uh, featuring the orange bird. Uh, still in the packaging. All right, we'll have pictures of all of this on the yeah. on all the social media stuff. So this is an inflatable swim ring uh, that you would wear around your waist, featuring the orange bird. For those of you out there who don't know, the orange bird, a uh, character created by Walt Disney Productions in the 1970s uh, for the Florida Citrus Commission in exchange for that commission sponsoring, yeah, sponsoring the Enchanted Tiki Room in Florida. So, and a character that went away for a long time and then became a huge hit in Japan, so they brought him back. Where would you see this character? What's an example of the orange bird in the world? Uh, you will see him in Florida at uh, 
this the place in Adventureland at Disney World where they sell the citrus swirl, a combination of vanilla soft serve and uh, orange uh, icy. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, and then you'll just see him in souvenir shops. How so, would you describe the uh, attitude of this character, this beloved in Japan character, the Orange Bird? Uh, he's sassy. He's fun-loving. Mm. Um, he has a head that looks like an orange, and the rest of his body is either green or orange. And uh, he is no longer associated with the Florida Citrus Commission. He's just back to being a a Disney park exclusive character so he's a he's a free agent he could advertise any citrus commission he wants that's true if your state is looking for a mascot um so the ebay listing uh oh my god the ebay list okay the ebay listing has ended they they said it is a vintage 1970s uh still in the packaging guess how much money this child's inflatable swimming device sold for. So this is like an inner tube, too, Yeah, right? this is like a little inner tube you would put around your waist. Okay. And it's it's from the 70s. It's from the 70s. Still in the packaging, so you, the packaging. you wouldn't use it. Uh, the, uh, you could try, though. Um, you could try, yeah. Let me throw out uh, a... Let me throw out a $200. I think they're asking for $800. Uh, Scott was closer. It went for $133.62. <laughs> oh. well, that's reasonable, actually. Yeah. It's not a... <laughs> Horrible, although also for this character, you don't really know, and uh, yeah, what is it, and uh, and who would be <laughs> impressed by this? Would this make you happy at home? Uh, yeah. would it make your would, would your spouse be impressed if you had this? Also, it's not-, it's not like an action figure or a little statue that you can see it in the box, it is a folded up inflatable tube, so like. It's a you Leslie's pool supply yeah, scrunched up in the box still. You can't see, like, the, the picture. You could just kind of make <laughs> out part of the word Florida. Orid. Orid. Uh, orid. I guess you would have to open If you wanted to display, you would have to try You'd to blow to it up. you have to open it. Blow it up, yeah. I guess maybe that would work. But how long are inner tube? Can an inner tube last for 45 years? Did I, you I purchase know. this product? If you're, are, are, Is the purchaser of this listening? If so... Let us know yeah, what you want to do with it, why you bought it. If if you did and you've used it, just tweet us a photo of you in a lake with the thing around you, like floating, because that would be great. That yeah. would be very exciting tweet if you found the person. Tweet at us at Podcast the Ride on Twitter. Yes. Uh, all right, Scott. Uh, all right, I will read mine with the same capitalization as the <laughs> uh, entry does. Uh, Walt Disney, Animal Kingdom, Authentic Leaves, Tree of Life, Extremely Rare Prop. Uh, what this is, and let me show you, gentlemen, uh, without, I'm going to show you a picture of two leaves. Uh, this, uh, without showing you the price. Uh, so the centerpiece of Animal Kingdom is a giant fake tree. These are two leaves on the same little branch, uh, from the, from the tree of life. Uh, let me read some facts about it. This is the ultimate Disney collectible, an actual branch with two leaves from the tree <laughs> of life. This branch with two leaves is from a bigger branch that was removed from the tree <laughs> after an incident in May 2012 in which the branch fell onto a public path during park hours. <laughs> public? This seems like a private transgression. Uh, very special item and very rare. This type of Disney souvenir has never been on the market. Uh 
The uh, the tree of life branch is about 25 inches long. The first leaf is about 12 inches long and seven and a half inches wide. The second leaf is about 12 inches long and seven and a half inches wide. Um, <laughs> just to clarify the difference between the first and second leaf. Uh, and of course, they are scratched after spending many years in the Florida weather. All right? So deal with it. Florida's rough as hurricanes. They're scratched. All right? Just buy them anyway. Do not miss this opportunity. What? <laughs> What is the material? What it? What does it say? It's made of. I don't believe it says it that. Say. I mean, what are Disney uh, trees made of? I mean, it's I some rubber, whatever, and rubber, plasticky. And, yeah. Does it even say how they obtained this? Um, Did it fall off while they were? It fell, at a... and I think probably whoever is selling this went and grabbed it and hauled mm-hmm. it out of the park. Decided to make a nice, pretty penny off of mm. it. Yeah, and and it implies to me. I think it says uh, that it was part of a bigger branch. This guy might have. Uh, oh, he has of, the full branch. Could have like and twenty leaves. Uh, he's selling up his it sleeves. for parts. Yeah, yeah. Holding uh, out. Would you like to? It, this is not. Sold. There are four people watching, one of them myself. Uh, <laughs> would you like to guess the uh, asking price for this item? Uh, I'll say 200. I was going to say 200 exactly. Yeah. Uh, the asking price is twenty nine thousand dollars. What? <laughs> no. No. Come on. Yeah, that's is that the buy it, it now? Let me see. Let me see that. I have uh, to that see is that. the buy it now price. Oh, okay. There are no offers. What do you mean okay? <laughs> what do you mean okay? That's well, the buy it can now. Set. Well, people can all hand set. it around you if you set, want to. You can set. But that's insane. That means they're setting it. That doesn't mean if someone had put up that money, that means they would have been making a commitment. Can you? Can we make an offer right now? Just like, like a, ten dollars. Yeah, maybe we should. Yeah. For, well, we need to, they, first. We need to set up podcast the ride at eBay dot com. <laughs> yeah, uh, we're gonna sell probably a lot of our merch handy. too. Um, yeah. No. Let's. Uh, yeah. Let's do it and see. Yeah, maybe we can end up with these. Yeah, that'll be a good cliffhanger. We'll update you on a future episode. Because I would imagine if somebody thinks this is worth twenty nine thousand and they get an offer for ten dollars, they're gonna be furious. <laughs> <laughs> Did you not read the story? This fell on a public oh path. Gosh. Unprecedented in Disney history. And yeah, they're beat up, but God, shut up. Don't bother me about that anymore. Theme and park it, enthusiasts yeah. angry about something? <laughs> I have never heard of such a thing. <laughs> the branch with two leaves from Movie Branch and after an incident in May 2012. So there's a possibility that a person shimmied up the tree. <laughs> And ripped a branch uh, off as that's, well. That's a good point. It was, There's a possibility this is illegally obtained. We're trying or, to take the leaves back into our hands, democratize the leaves. <laughs> or it fell on someone and someone saw it and they ran up and they're uh-huh. like, oh my God, and they grabbed the branch before helping the other person. And this could be crucial evidence in a in the trial that could finally bring Disney down, mm-hmm. bring it yeah. to its knees. And yet it was uh, stolen, maybe hidden away by Disney themselves. Maybe uh, we're accessories to murder if we buy. Maybe this, uh, Disney does sell a lot of stuff to uh, theme park, like you know, to vendors, to the Van Eaton galleries. Where yeah, I've, Van Eaton uh, galleries. Bought some Epcot signs, which I'm sure I'll talk about on every episode. There's a giant episode. warehouse in Florida where you can just buy like the sign from the hotel or like a monorail door. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, the monorail door. Yeah, I'm all about that. I, we yeah. all we would all really like a monorail door that's in my, our living room. That's my twenty nine thousand dollar item. Yeah, yeah I um, would like the full people mover car. Mm. Oh, sure. Just like in your kitchen. Which I've seen at this auction that I went to. That, I believe, uh, was set around $29,000. And this is being yeah. asked for two leaves. Say, I'm going to the D... Well, 
but when when this comes out, this may not make sense. D twenty three, but they always have a car. You can always buy a car there for like twenty five thousand dollars a month. Uh, people oh, move a car. Really? Okay. Um, I hope you, so. You'll hopefully ride one up to the next record. <laughs> yeah, that'll become <laughs> the people mover car will become my real car. Oh, man. I'll sell my current car. I mean, I ride everywhere in just a sidecar. So. <laughs> That's a good point. You just coast. Yeah. Uh, okay, so here we go. Here's mine. Uh, this kind of doesn't fall. This I kind of moved out of the rules of the game a little bit, but this is so funny to me. Uh, I had to do it. So I'll read the description, and then I'll show you the picture because the picture is everything. This Winnie the Pooh collectible Disneyland promotional art depicting Winnie the Pooh with a park guest in front of Sleeping Beauty Castle. This original full-color illustration was created during the development of promotional materials on behalf of the Disneyland Resort in Anaheim, California. Now, that all sounds pretty normal, right? Sure. Sure. Okay, but, like, does this art look weird to anyone else? (laughs) Mm, Let me crane around. Oh, fuck. What the hell? Mm. So what's going on here is that it's a drawing of (laughs) Winnie the Pooh and a very attractive woman. Yeah, feathered seventies hair. Or she kind of reminds me of like a you know she looks like like a like a Jan Hooks. She looks like a young Jan Hooks. Yeah. And she looks like she just got engaged to a life-size <laughs> Winnie the Pooh. That is my point: is that these two don't look like, uh, like, oh, a, a, a tourist and a person in a costume. These look like lovers. This is a little sexualized. What we're looking at. It's I don't. I'm. That was probably not the intention, but it's just. It's so weird because I, I imagine this is probably why this never became like a big image they ever used for a lot of things. But it definitely looks like. Pooh and this human woman are having sex with each other this or are about like to have sex. Her hand we can't see is in his back pocket. Like that's what <laughs> he this doesn't like, have that a, 70s, He does not have a back pocket. I, we can't see he, beneath the weight. I mean, we can kind of see, but he could be wearing a half shirt and he has like bell bottoms on. He's got his arm around her in such, and again, this will be posted on the various social medias. Uh, he's got his arm around her in such an intimate way. Yeah. And she's kind of just like t- has her left hand like resting on his breast, his like bosom, mm. his peck. Yeah, Winnie, Winnie's peck. It's a couple's photo. It's a prom photo for sure. Yeah, and it's it's just so bizarre. Um, so I mean, there's not much more to it. Uh, well, uh, how much do you think um, they're asking? Wait, for sorry, this? what's the context of it again? This is Where concept. Is it it art says it was concept a... art for a promotion. Now it's okay. possible this is just some perverts fan art, and they're pretending that it was something they were develop- uh, The Disney company was developing, but. And that if you buy the full thing, you get to see Winnie the Pooh's erect penis at the bottom of the uh, oh bother the cutoff point. <laughs> oh bother! And it is th- it is the seventies Pooh. Like he does look. It's not a mod. So this yeah. is obviously like old. The or, signature like, on the shirt. The um, signature on the shirt is the old one. This and is like an ice storm couple. <laughs> this is the couple that was cut Pooh's, out of the ice storm. Pooh's head is like resting too, like right on her bosom. Hmm. He's Which, yeah, um, bosom and mouth, are and he looks perfectly like, lined up. He looks more lascivious than the normal poo as well. He yeah. there's a little something to him. He looks a little bit more adult or human. A more, yeah, a little more sassy. Like a hey, more check, check the, Like as if the guy's uh, the woman's husband is taking the photo, and he's like, "Check this out, old man. Look what I'm doing here." <laughs> Again, weird, weird sexuality <laughs> among Disney fans. Uh-huh. Who could imagine that? <laughs> um, All right. So, what do we think? In what quality do you get this item? It is just so. Here's what it looks like. Uh, it's just the oh. Mm-hmm. Did you see the thing? Uh, no, I did not. Uh, okay, so it's kind of a big sketch. Let's say, uh, let's say the eighty dollars cardstock. Uh, Hundred fifty. 
four hundred dollars. Four hundred dollars. And on the back, it says in, in handwritten, it says DL Co-op. Feel like a kid. Poo slash guest slash castle. Four hundred dollars. Make yeah. an offer. Should we offer? What would the offer be? What would you? Pay oh, we can for? make the offer. I think we. It's maybe like we one. set a podcast amount, and it's always what it is. <laughs> eight ninety nine. No matter what <laughs> item. Hey, the price is right. We offer eight ninety nine for. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Let's start for putting... sexual poo. Oh, we got a budget. Man. That that poo looks like he just. They just said like how. How was the wedding? Like, they just got married. Yeah, yeah. Who just said the joke like, uh, well, the wedding was great, but I've been enjoying the honeymoon a lot more. (laughs) (laughs) And is honeymoon a pun? Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's what I intended. Let's say that. All right, good. Yeah, sure. Very clever. That's very clever. Um, Cleverer than I am. (laughs) Who wins this war? How do we decide this? Yeah, how do we decide who? I'll be honest. I think Jason's is the least weird. Yeah, I, I think, think it is. I too. think it's the least, just kind I mean, of the most uh, pathetic. What did you guys yeah. search? What did you? I typed in like vintage Disney World. I did all that stuff, and then yeah. I just typed in Disneyland, and then I set it to highest price mm. yeah. first, oh, and then just started idea. scrolling down. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of good. I mean, I'll save some of these for later, but there's like for four hundred fifty dollars, you can get a Marie Osmond Disneyland fiftieth anniversary rose doll. <laughs> You, <laughs> I don't know what it is. That's creepier than E.T.'s friend with the who is Rose? hair. I don't know who Rose is. We don't have time to get into that. Even uh, Rose. We'll have to do a oh. whole episode on Rose one of these days. Uh, is it between you and I? I think it's between us. Uh, so let's, let's let Jason decide. Because uh, I'm going to vote for myself. The poo thing is is weird. There, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of erotic fan art. There's yeah, a lot of erotic true. pop culture art online. I think... The Scott's the the mysterious incident associated with Scott's mm. plus that twenty nine thousand dollar <laughs> buy it now takes yeah. it into weird territory. It takes it into a very strange territory. Yeah, take, well, taking, I agree. Obviously, sure. <laughs> um, taking the whole package into consideration. Yes, I agree. Oh yeah, yeah. Because yeah, okay. I will accept defeat. Is what I'm saying. Okay. Hooray! I will lose. Scott wins the first S-s-s-s-s-s-s- round. Of- Scott wins. Souvenir. Smackdown. Yes. And with that, we come to the first end. The first conclusion of the first podcast, the ride. We're closing um, up. Uh, what's the theme park uh, terminology? Oh, uh, 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 the kiss good night. The kiss, kiss good night. That's what yes. they call it. That is what they call it at they the end call of the night it when Disney officially closes and they do a little light show at the the castle. Yeah. Well, so this is well. a good way to get no return listeners. <laughs> <laughs> and now the kiss good night. All right, all three of us at once. <laughs> Ew. Uh, well, all right, never again. Uh, that segment might not come back. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, kiss. Good Good night, fans. Um, hey, this was fun. We're going to do it again. And uh, if you yeah. have any uh, any suggestions, anything you want to hear about, uh, hear rambled about for an hour in the world of theme parks, uh, let yeah. us know yeah. at uh, our social media handles. Uh, at Podcast the Ride on Twitter and Instagram. Dang. And the email is podcasttheride at gmail.com. So Easy. if you have any ideas for shows. Except wait, no questions. colons, right? Because in the title of the show, there'd be a colon. But we don't have the colons in those. Yeah, no colons. No colons. The usernames. Great. Uh, okay, now that that's been settled, uh, <laughs> email yeah. us. Twit at us. Uh, thanks to Feral Audio and everybody here uh, for helping us do this thing. Uh, I'm Mike Carlson. You can find me at Fat Carlson on Twitter. Uh, P-H-A-T-C-A-R-L-S-O-N. Uh, 
Hashtag Botanicus. Hey, we didn't even talk about it. That's a thing that everybody says at Mike. If you go out and you, with Mike in public, people say hashtag Botanicus. Well, I was waiting yeah. for the tease at the end because anyone who's listening to this knowing about Botanicus was like, when is he going to say anything about it? Well, he, the ultimate use of hashtag Botanicus. Yeah, I strung everybody out. I strung everyone along. Uh, at Scott Gardner. At on- Jason. Oh. oh, no, that was it. <laughs> okay. Uh, at Jason Sheridan on Twitter and Instagram. At Scott Gardner. <laughs> Hashtag Botanicus. Uh, hashtag Botanicus. Thank uh, you so much. Thanks. We'll see you. We'll see you next time. Good night. Feral Audio.